0: Shelter from the storm. Welcome to the Shelter from the Storm Podcast, a daily walk through the Bible with me, Pastor Jason Poling, as we seek shelter in Jesus Christ from the storms of this life. It's a great day to glorify God. This is Pastor Jason Poling coming to you from the Shelter from the Storm Podcast, a daily brief dive into God's Word. And it's something we need, as you've heard me say, if you've listened to this before over and over, we desperately need the Word of God at such a time like this because the Word is our shelter from the storms of life that we're facing individually and collectively as a society. And the Word of God points us to the Word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He's the rock on which we stand. He is our shelter, as the Scriptures say, the righteous Those who have faith in him run into him and are safe. He's like a fortress to us, our shelter. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 9 again today, and we're in verses 42 through 50. And we're going to try to go through this as briefly as I can. I'm a long-winded guy, so to get to 10 minutes, I'm going to do my best. Here we go. Um, I'm in the New American Standard Version, and you can be in any translation you want, but that's the one I prefer one of the most accurate translations to the Greek and the Hebrew. And we're coming off the text, of course, where Jesus has revealed himself at the pivotal point in Mark, where he shows himself to be the Messiah to the disciples. And then he has this healing of the demon-possessed boy. The Mount of Transfiguration comes before that, of course, where we see the kingdom being seen, and it will come in its uh, beginning stages at the cross and resurrection and fulfillment at the end times which I hope we're in, because I can't wait to see Jesus. Um, and then we have the account of these people who are casting out demons in the name of Christ, but they're not joining the band of the disciples. And the disciples who are concerned about who's the greatest, as always, who's the the, the most connected to Jesus, and with the proper theology and practice, and just very concerned about all those things, they are upset that these people are not following Jesus. And Jesus, of course, uh, gives them a Sort of a gentle rebuke. And then he says in Mark 9, 42 through 50, these words, whoever causes one of these little ones, and he's referring to those as the passage just before this, the verse before said, anyone who gives a cup of cold water uh, to the disciples in the name of Jesus, uh, they will not lose their reward. Uh, Let me pull it back here to Mark chapter 9. I just lost my place on this text. Chapter 9, it says, um, for the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. And then he goes into verse forty-two. Um, if you cause one of these little ones who do that kind of service in the name of Jesus, but maybe you don't think they fit in your crowd, or they're not doing it exactly the way you want, or they're not their theology doesn't line up exactly perfectly with the way you think. Uh, The scriptures are interpreted. If you cause one of these little ones who are doing things in the name of Christ in in a simple faith in him, if you cause them to stumble, and stumble always means to kind of fall away from trust in Christ, it would be better for the person who causes him to stumble if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck, and he was cast into the sea. Of course, a millstone back in the day might be a small stone that a woman uh, typically, in that culture, would use to grind out the grain and then produce food with it. But you also had the huge ones that the donkeys would be chained to or reined to, and they would walk in a circle and they would make that millstone grind the grain in a big um, in a big building like that. Well, you can imagine how terrifying this passage is, and it gets even more terrifying, and these are the words of Jesus to his disciples, having a big millstone. It's worse than, you know, worse than get, getting killed by the mafia, buried in cement, or, you know, uh, buried under a stadium like, uh, well, I forget the guy's name, but the uh, Jimmy Hoffa. So this is, uh, this is awful. It's, it's, it'd be better to have your neck fastened with a huge weighted stone and thrown into the sea to drown instantly than to be caught red handed by the living God, causing a little one who's trying to believe in him to stumble and to fall away from Christ. And, uh, you know, that, that can be easily done by us. um, As I go into some of these digital platforms where we see a lot of uh, generation Zers and millennials they seem to be very upset with the church and have been hurt sometimes by the church. Now, some may have petty grievances that are based in their own struggle with God and re- in rebellion that we all have. We all have rebellious uh, predispositions, but some have been genuinely hurt by some of the attitudes of Christians who maybe didn't feel like they lined up with how they uh, wanted them to, you know, s- s- fit the the inner circle, if you will, like the disciples. They these people didn't fit their construction of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And so we've sometimes maybe hurt people like that. They didn't they didn't quite fit our society and we cast them out as Christians. And that is a very dangerous thing to do in the eyes of God. And then in verse 43 he says if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to be to enter life crippled than having two hands to go into hell into the unquenchable fire. And verse 44, citing Isaiah 66, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, right? A terrible, terrifying uh, description. And yes, there's some metaphorical language there because we don't fully understand what hell is. We just know it's not good. Like no one wants to go there. You wouldn't want your worst enemy to go there. And so what Jesus is saying is don't get caught red-handed causing one of these little ones to stumble away from their faith in Christ because you cast them out because and ostracize them because you didn't feel like they fit. If you're caught red-handed, look out. It'd be better just to go ahead and cut off your hand. That might tempt you to cause one of these little ones to be cast out or to stumble. It'd be better to cut off your hand than to go into hell right? with both hands intact. It's, of course, a very strong... Uh, language that Jesus is using, of course, metaphorically speaking. Uh, if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better to inner life, better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell. where their worm does not die repeats it again and the fire is not quenched. I mean, it's just a strong rebuke and the, the disciples couldn't help but uh, shake in their boots to hear the living Christ Jesus, speak in this way to them. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. And there's been people in church history uh, who've done some bizarre things. Uh, You can look it up. Uh, Origen, who was one of the church fathers, did something very interesting. And I won't even go there because uh, this is a family-friendly podcast. But there have been others that have uh, taken this literally, and cut off body parts as if that would prevent them from sinning. So that right there, just as a side note, helps you know that clearly there are metaphorical passages in Scripture. We say we take the Bible literally, and we do in its context or in its biblical theological themes and truths, but the text itself, the way it's written often is metaphorical. But you get the clear point there. Don't cause a little one to stumble by your divisive spirit, by your... uh, you're, you're casting them out because they don't fit your mold of Christ, of your version of Christianity. That's a very dangerous thing to do. Verse forty nine, though, he says, uh, "For everyone will be salted with fire." So he's like, "Whoa, I don't want to go into this fire where the worm does not die, the fire is not quenched." Jesus. Now you're telling me, you know, you're saying I can avoid that, but now you're saying everyone's going to be salted with that fire. So it's a little bit jarring and shocking, but I think what Jesus means there is the idea of sacrifice, right? In the Old Testament, there was the fire that was put into those sacrifices, and of course they were consumed by the Levitical priests. And so this idea of everyone is going to have to sacrifice, uh, be a living sacrifice for God. We're going to have to uh, find ways to... um, humble ourselves. So that's a, that's a living sacrifice, as Paul says in Romans 12, right? We we are going to experience some suffering as Christians. And so one of the sufferings might be, we might be uncomfortable by those little ones who have faith in Christ, but they don't practice exactly the way we do, or they don't fit or smell or you know talk the way we do, but they're still seeking after Christ. And we need as Christians to be more concerned uh, about the people business than the steeple business. You like that? I'm working on my sermon and Anyway, I was coming up with some cute phrases, right? I, I always think of that Casting Crown song about the the, the the people beneath the steeple that the church people have forgotten and cast out. Well, the same concept is, is here, is that we might feel uh, uncomfortable with those people who don't fit our mold theologically or practice or what have you. And not that they don't need to grow in areas where they're weak, as do we, but we may need to suffer if you can call it that, or sacrifice our comforts to bring these people in, to be about the people business, not about keeping things orderly and keeping traditions and keeping legalistic regulations and keeping things nice and clean and kosher. That's not the goal. And so we will be salted with the fire, the, the sacrifice of, of not causing division with our brothers and sisters in Christ and causing them to stumble. And then he says in verse 50, he sort of turns the metaphor a little bit with salt. Salt is good. Salt is good because it preserves, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? So make sure that you have salt in yourselves. Make sure you have the true salt of the gospel, and that true salt will make you be at peace with one another. You will love one another just as Christ has loved you, and that will be clear evidence of you being a true follower. But if you don't have true salt, you may have fake salt, right? The salt that maybe gets deposited inland, not the actual salt you derives straight from the Mediterranean Sea or the Dead Sea or wherever you get it but the weaker salt that actually loses its saltiness that is vain religion vain christianity and it's the kind that causes those uh, making steeple bu- steeples the business instead of people the business and you end up casting people out dividing and causing little ones who tr- trying to trust in Jesus to stumble so we got to be very careful about those things. I think I've reached my limits. 11 minutes, I knew, darn, I couldn't make it. But hey, 11 minutes isn't too bad. Love you guys. We will uh, see you hopefully tomorrow as you tune in to uh, the next, uh, I think we're going to be in chapter 10 tomorrow. God bless you. Thanks for taking a few minutes today to dive into the Word of God with me. I always love hearing your feedback and questions. So You can email me at Jason at CornerstoneYC.com. Looking forward to continue in the word of God with you as we seek shelter from the storm in Jesus Christ.